find out what's making you sick and how to heal. Anthony William is the medical medium. Hello, I'm Anthony William, and you're listening to the Medical Medium Radio Show, where each week I talk about the most advanced healing information and secrets about health, much of which is not found anywhere else and is decades ahead of what's out there now. As I've always said, who has 10 or 20, 30 years to wait for answers, to wait for answers for asthma, to wait for answers from asthma. Today's show is about asthma. It's something that really plagues people, it makes their life difficult. It can hit children at a young age. Childhood asthma, all the way to adult asthma, adults can just all of a sudden just become asthmatic out of nowhere as well. So, you know, you live your life, you're breathing fine, all's good, you don't need inhalers, you don't need all that help, and then out of nowhere you develop asthma, you're at the doctor's office, and the doctor's like, well, you're, uh, we did, you know, we did a chest x-ray, we... We did some other tests and the whole bit, and I just we we believe you have asthma. So you'll get the diagnosis of of asthma. So asthmatic condition. So anyway, we need to talk about this today because this is important. A lot of people deal with asthma. I understand it's serious out there because it's kind of like it's it it's like it's like the migraine situation. When you when you're dealing with asthma, you gotta kind of plan your life around the condition, just like migraines. I know the two separate conditions, but at the same time, hey, it doesn't mean somebody with asthma doesn't get migraines, or somebody with being somebody with migraines doesn't get asthma. It doesn't mean that doesn't happen. But you gotta plan your life around it. And you know, are you gonna go on that trip? Are you gonna go on the plane? Are you gonna go on that boat with your friends that Saturday afternoon? Are you gonna be, you know, what's the weather condition like? Where, you know, all these different things. Are you packing your inhalers? Um, you know, like all that stuff. It just you have to plan around it. A lot of people have to plan around it. That's not easy. Nothing's easy about chronic illnesses, and um, and but the the interesting thing though about asthma is. If you have asthma, you have something you can say, I got asthma. And that's, that's you know, it, it's like that. It was one of the older, older diagnoses that gave people something to say so they weren't told they were just, you know, crazy, bleak and crazy or whatever. Or, you know, instead of like the fatigue syndrome and all the other all the other weird mystery neurological symptoms, that's different when you're sitting there explaining to the doctor and explaining to your family and explaining to your friends, I got this, I got this, I got this. But doctor doesn't know what it is and this and this and it's anxiety and all this other stuff. Well, at least with asthma, you can see I got asthma and everybody goes, oh, okay, okay. Oh, no, I, I understand. Everybody's like, oh, yeah, I get it. So at least people around, you know, understand one facet of it, one facet of, hey, you know, okay, okay, that person has, Mary Sue has asthma. And and they kind of get it. They know that there could be a breathing problem. They kind of get it. But someone who has so many other kind of conditions and so many different symptoms, uh, including just diagnoses like a thyroid problem or whatever, people kind of don't get it. They don't get it. They're like, well, what's wrong with you? You go to the doctor. I mean, you can't be fixed. What, what do you mean? What kind of crazy symptoms do you have? But with asthma, it's like, People instantly kind of get it. <laughs> they get it. It's like, I got asthma. And then it's like, oh, okay, sure. Okay, we understand. So that's kind of, you know, the vibe about asthma anyway. Does it make it any easier? Probably a little bit easier, but nothing's easy about chronic illness. So anyway, I just want to say this is the only health show there is that the information is not repackaged or recycled out there. 
you know what that means? You know what that means is all the information that keeps on recycling all through the internet, article after article is just all taken from whatever the same year after year after year. Same thing with all the books, same stuff year after year after year. Nothing new in them, but they recycle it, they repackage it. Maybe they throw one tidbit in there, two tidbits in there, and it's the same junk science or recycled package theory. The information on this show doesn't have anything like that going on, and thank God. Thank God in heaven that it doesn't. <laughs> I'm going to tell you right now, the information here doesn't come from uh, medical groups, medical funding with strings attached, the botched research where junk science is made from because interest groups and interest and people, people investing in projects make sure that the thumb's put on the scale so they get, an, they get an investor again over and over and over again. That's in alternative medicine and conventional medicine. Of course, it's in conventional medicine, but guess what? It's an alternative medicine too. Bots research lobbyists, medical lobbyists, internal kickbacks, persuaded belief systems. A belief system stops people from healing. It stops people from healing because when practitioners take on certain belief systems that were contaminated and grandfathered in by law, by junk science, what happens is and people follow that belief system, whatever it is, whether it's a trendy diet or whatever it is, and they follow that belief system Remember, human belief system. I'm not dealing with human belief systems. You just need to know that about this the first time tuning in the show, and I want to get this point across because this is important before we move further. Human belief system means I'm getting this from spirit, and there's a difference between a human belief system. So if you drink your celery juice and you say, hey, someone said that to me the other day. Say, I'm drinking your celery juice, and I'm believing in that. That's the belief system. I mean, it's not my belief system you're believing in when you drink that celery juice. It's spirits. It's not my human belief system because that's valuable because that can actually be faulty because that could actually mess up. So that's the difference. So, you know, private panel influencers, none of that behind the information here. Health field payoffs, nothing, nothing like that behind it or trendy traps. There's no trendy traps stopping your children from healing by taking away their fruit because you don't understand that fruit is actually good for children. And it's not just sugar, like a sugary cake, cookie, whatnot. That's just one prime example of a trendy trap that actually takes down people's health, stops them from getting minerals at a young age, so their teeth do stay in when they get older, so their teeth don't rot when they're 50 years old. It's from those minerals, from the anthocyanins, antioxidants, and everything that everybody's trying to take away from children. And so that's just a prime example right there. So we're on to asthma today. Here we are. And one last thing, the information here comes from a place that's not contaminated, a pure, clean, pristine place was given to me as a gift. And, you know, and that's just the bottom line. And like I always say, like I always say, if I had an opportunity, if I was just somebody out there and I was bumping my head against walls out there looking for answers, and I heard someone has uncontaminated information from a clean source that they were gifted with since age four, I would be there in a second being like, yeah, I'll take that information and all the crap that's going around. So that's the deal here. We're on asthma today. We're talking about asthma. Let's go get into it. Let's get into it. Let's get into it. Asthma, asthma, asthma. <laughs> we're doing it. So anyway, childhood asthma. That's the, you know, what happens is a child can develop that before age five a child can develop that age six, seven, eight, nine, ten. It's still childhood asthma. It's still, you know, I'm not sure what they say out there or not. Um, I heard one doctor telling me one day a while back saying, no, no, childhood asthma is like really the early, early years. Now, I understand that, but childhood asthma is just childhood. 
I don't care what, what year it is in that childhood. And so with, um, with childhood asthma, you know, it, it interferes with a lot of children. I mean, with their lives and, and parents know, parents know, or if you've been a child that were, you know, if you were a child years and years and years ago and you had asthma, you know how it goes. Can't play the reindeer games. Can't be like all the other reindeer without an inhaler at least. And maybe that might not even do go out and play soccer and you could be winded pretty easy. Um, a lot of children's lives are, you know, not as feeling as full on that category when in the sports and everything. So the children have to make it up on some other angle or other end by, you know, by playing cello or something else. The balance has to happen. But asthma can affect a child at any time, whether it's sports, running, whether it's whether it's playing a musical instrument, whether it's waking up one morning and getting an asthma attack. That's another thing, too, though. When you have asthma as a child, it could come any anyway, whatever, whatever, which way you're doing, whatever you're doing. And so that's one way. That's one way asthma. And what is asthma? And we're going to talk about that, too. Of course, there's asthma with adults and children, too, that get something in the lungs, something inhaled in the lungs. And that in- inhaling something could trigger off inflammation in the lungs, the bronchial tubes, and um, the passageways, the bronchial passageways, and so forth. And that can be an irritant. So irritant triggers can trigger both children into asthma, also trigger adults into asthma. Um, and then there's the whole thing with what kind of line you do for what kind of line of work you do as an adult. So as you get older and it's a line of work you're doing, um, for an example, I, I knew a guy that sharpened chainsaw blades. So that's what he did. He sharpened, he sharpened chainsaw blades for a living. So he was in the shop at one of those garden tractor home and garden whatever places and working where everybody brings their lawn mowers and their leaf blowers and you know all the guys bring them in to get them fixed all the different landscaping companies and stuff so this guy he sharpened chainsaw blades all day long that was his job and he did it for years it was a machine and it would circle circle around the chainsaw blade and it would be getting cut like all the little edges would be getting cut and sharpened and all those tiny, tiny, tiny metal fragments, the really tiny metal fragments would kind of off gas as they were being hit and sharpened. So it would kind of be like a metal, a metal f- vapor coming off those chainsaw blades, plus dust, dust off the chainsaw blades, dust from the chainsaws being loaded with grease and dirt, loaded with tree, you know, um, um, Loaded with all kinds of, uh, you know, the powder from after you cut down a tree. <laughs> can't can the theme think what that's called right now for some reason? Sawdust, <laughs> the sawdust, and it'd be like the sawdust on the blade and everything else, and along with the grease on the blade. So it'd be like the grease would be getting hot, the sawdust would be like in there, kind of burning along with it as they were sharpening and going through the machine. And he'd be inhaling that every day. He got the worst case of asthma ever. Had to had to actually get disability. Had to get disability. That's just one example. And you know, so basically, all that collected in the lungs, irritated the lungs, irritated the lungs over time. Bronchial tubes became hypersensitive. Once they became hypersensitive, and nothing was cleaning out, you weren't cleaning out all that sawdust fume and metal fumes and metal vapors and dust and metal particles weren't getting cleaned out of the lung. You had the worst case of asthma. Um, you can have the, the and and you know and there's a it's a vicious cycle. You take the inhalers and you're you're breathing in those inhalers and you're sucking them down, 
and sucking them down. And and what happens too is you can get you can get this immunity to steroids at a certain level when you have a really really difficult case of asthma. It can be really hard, really hard for someone. Make it uh, unbearable and very difficult to live. So. These are some of the, I mean, that's just an example of, of a, um, a job related, a job in the industries of some kind. And think about all the other in- industries are, you got the construction injuries, you got, a, I mean, uh, construction, um, um, you know, the jobs and all those, the industries for that. And people get injured in construction from, uh, from dust and wallboard dust. <clears throat> I, um, you know, years ago I had a friend who, and still have a friend, of course, the, but, but there's a friend of mine years ago who um was getting some some work done in their house so they're getting some work so wallboard was coming down sheetrock dust was coming down and then they sectioned it off with they sectioned it off with the plastic you know so they stapled up plastic or taped up plastic to try to section sections off so the kitchen was getting worked on and that's what they would do they would live in one part of the house and i went to go visit my friend and I went in there and I was like, I was like, dear Lord, ugh, this is, I don't want to breathe this in. It just smells like tons and tons of sheetrock dust and fiberglass insulation. And I'm like, no, no, it's, and my friend was like, no, no, it's, it's, it, it, this is normal. This is no big deal. Like we got it sectioned off. I go, that's not doing anything. Why don't you get out of this place? Go live in a, a relative's house or try to go to a friend's house or something and, you know, and stay there. And, you know, my apartment wasn't big enough for my friend to, 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 to move their family into. So, and I offered it, but that wasn't going to be good. So I was like, you should go somewhere. Like, no, 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 there's nothing. There's nothing to worry about here. This is normal. You just live in a bubble. Anthony, you live in a bubble. And you know, this is the real world here. The real world is here. We get things done. We knock out walls. We're doing some renovations. That's the real world. That's, that's whatever bubble you live in spirit, spirit boy, that's not what this is. And I, I said, you know, all right, but I'm just telling you, this stuff is bad. And my friend developed a really bad case of asthma. And so did one of his children, both him and one of his children. His wife didn't develop the um, the asthma and their daughter didn't develop the asthma, but their son did and he did. And, you know, and they were probably developed it too because they were, the men in the family were, you know, doing a little bit more involved with the construction and and the girls weren't i'm not saying girls don't do construction i know construction people who you know construction women that are owners of construction companies and they go in there and they knock down walls but in this case it was just him and his son doing you know a lot of the fun stuff and knocking out some sheetrock and having fun but their lungs filled up with it and, you know, it took time to clear out, time to clear out. And they had the worst case of asthma for a time period in their life. And that was that was just an example, another example. So I'm trying to give you some examples of, you know, just life, um, life in the fast lane with with, you know, being exposed with being exposed. So asthma can happen. Now, what happens if it's an irritant? What happens if somebody if something gets into the lungs? It clings to the bronchial walls. If it's a, if it's if if it is something irritating that doesn't get out of the lungs easy, simply or quickly enough over time, it can be an irritant, and it could it you know it could actually what's called um, it could actually move on the lining of the lungs, the bronchial tubes. It could on the bron- lining of the bronchial tubes. It can move, meaning it acts like sandpaper. 
So as you're living your life and breathing and you expand, when you breathe and you expand your lungs, everything kind of stretches a little bit and then comes back, stretches a little bit and then comes back, stretches a little bit and comes back. With when that happens, certain contaminants, they're sitting in the bronchial tubes and the linings. And when you, when you're moving that around and things, they, 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 these particles sit on a mucus lining, like this little thin, thin, paper thin mucus lining. The mucus lining moves. It moves along the bronchial tubes. So it shifts back and forth on the bronchial tubes. When it's doing that, and depending on what contaminants in there, whether it's whether it's asbestos, that's a whole different thing. Asbestos, by the way, whether it's whether it's um, um, fiberglass, whether it's just wallboard dust, sheetrock dust, whether it's just um, particles from something else, whether it's just uh, crap that's falling out of the sky because they're, they're dumping a lot of stuff on us every day out of the sky. <clears throat> so whatever it is that collects in there over time, it can be in that, that mucus lining. And when it's in that mucus lining, that mucus lining is moving back and forth, like moving along the bronchial tubes. So guess what happens then? It acts like sandpaper, like sandpaper. As it's moving along back and forth, as you're living your life, whether you all of a sudden start playing tennis for a minute or you're just doing some deep breathing exercises, as it's moving along, it's irritating the lining, the bronchial linings, because it's acting like sandpaper. Science and research doesn't know this. They have no clue or idea that's how it works. Um, nobody knows that. It just doesn't exist out there. But you're hearing it here from spirit. And he, so the deal is, is that people, though, they eat diets that won't allow it to ever really leave their system. So they... They have diets that keep that mucus layer always there in the lungs, on the bronchial tubes, with all the contaminants in it, with all the contaminants in it. Contaminants really can never really disperse properly. They can never really move in and out of lung sacs. They can never move into blood vessels and get into the bloodstream too easily. They get trapped and they find pockets. They get trapped in mucus. Mucus hardens in the lungs. And it does this if your diet's not right for years and years and years. If your diet is extremely, extremely mucus-forming. Now, mucus-forming diets, that's not brand new material right there. But it's classic and timeless. It's good information that came from originally the alternative movement way back 100-plus years ago. Maybe even further than 100 years ago, actually. And, and, and the alternative mindset the alternative mindset, the very alternative doctors and the healers that were hung, put in prison, beat to death, um, everything taken away from them. And that still happens here and there in the U.S. today. <laughs> it still happens, just so you know. It doesn't look like it. There's a million alternative practitioners. Everybody's happy-go-lucky. Everybody's on the Internet talking stuff. Everybody's having fun. But a lot of guys still... They still get picked on out there for being inventive or being a mad scientist trying to discover something or being even guys in labs, even technicians, even lab technicians, immunologists and lab technicians in conventional medicine working in big pharma or working in the medical industry. They stumble across something and they get punished for it. They stumble across something that's going to help the world, that's going to help people heal and they and they want to take that information. They take the information to the boss, and the boss instantly says, "If you do anything about this, 
or if you even talk about this or write a paper about this, we're going to take everything away from you. You'll not only lose this job, but you won't even have a home to go to. This is no joke. And so they have to just make a decision right there, go back to work, shut up and sit down and just do whatever they need to be doing, whatever they'd be told to be doing. And that's how it's done in the industries. I know, I know. And so <clears throat> what happens though, and so alternative, so what I'm saying is that if instead, if you sat there and you took that information and you try to let it leak out, that alternative healing information leak out of a discovery, an amazing discovery in the lab, you'll get in some big trouble, really big trouble. Especially if it's information that could really turn the world around, you'll get in some big, bad trouble. Hence, <laughs> hence, you know what I'm talking about. So anyway, the bottom line is, <clears throat> bottom line is alternative medicine took a big hit for having the mucus, that mucus concern in the diets, that mucus concern, okay, of knowing that mucus exists inside the body, that mucus exists inside the body. As I'm clearing my throat right now, <laughs> as mucus exists in the body, that's, it's in everybody's body. You can't not have mucus inside your body. It's in every human being. Mucus is a protective measure. It's a protective mechanism. Without mucus, your linings, all your linings, including your intestinal linings, there's a certain amount of healthy mucus that you have to have. For instance, if you didn't have mucus in your throat, you wouldn't be, you would talk and burn your throat out. You would actually have a, a, a hoarse, sore throat nonstop 24-7, or you'd be, you know, you'd be, and I'm not talking about if you get sick and there's all that mucus and congestion making you have the hoarse voice. I'm talking about there's a thin mucus protective lining that has your immune system involved and has your immune system involved. It's in, it's in your lungs. It's in your bronchial tubes. It's in your mouth. It's in your gut. It's in your intestinal tract. It's everywhere. It's everywhere. But there's places it shouldn't be. There's places it shouldn't be. And when it's in places it shouldn't be, like your liver and your lymphatic system and even your bloodstream, even even other places in your body, like internal organs, if the mucus is in places it shouldn't be, and that information's not known. That's that's different. This is this is this is all my information here. If it's in places it shouldn't be on any level, then what happens is you're not gonna get rid of contaminants that are in the mucus where mucus is supposed to be. That's how it works. If you have mucus in places in your body that it's not supposed to be, like in the liver, like I said, lymphatic system, like, like in certain places, or excess mucus that's hardened and putrefied where it's not supposed to be either, like intestinal tract and places like that, then what's going to happen, it's going to push up and build up and keep whatever is in your lungs in your lungs forever. So mucus-free diets that, in, that, that actually existed. And they didn't know entirely why and mucus-free was important. Just alternate medicine 100 years ago stumbled across. Mucus-free is very important. And mucus-creating foods are not good. Mucus-creating foods are not good. This is the alternative medicine years and years and years ago knew this before a conventional doctor decides to one day write a, a trendy book about a fancy high-protein diet and minimize or get rid of grains and, and, and beans or dairy or something like that. It's long before any of that ever, ever, ever existed. And so, you know, because everything is thefted from the alternative world for the most part as, the, yeah, as, as time moved on, 
Spirit and I don't do that, though. We give you information that, well, I, it, it could be thefted from Spirit. It could be, it could be stolen from Spirit and taken from Spirit, but Spirit doesn't mind. Spirit says it's okay to use Spirit's information and put it in all the books like I do. <laughs> That's the whole point. That's the reason why I'm here. So anyway, so anyway, that mucus layer that gets in the lungs has no place to go. No place to go. See, when you catch a cold or a flu and all that mucus is produced, that's a protective mechanism. That's the body fighting to trap the viruses, to trap the flu viruses so that the immune system can go and literally destroy it or to stop the flu virus from getting in, in, in dangerous places that isn't good inside your, your health and your body in different places. So you instantly get, you get a flood. You get that mild cytokine storm, really, really mild cytokine storm. And that cytokine storm, you get that whole mild reaction and, and you're flooding with mucus as you got the flu, you're coughing, you're coughing, you got the bronchitis, you're coughing, you got the mucus and the sinuses and the ears and everything like that. It's a defense mechanism. And same thing with people with allergies. You got the mucus chronically going on. You know, something goes, if you're allergic to something in the air and you got allergies and that, that, that allergen gets into your sinuses, you got mucus building up, the body's building that mucus up for a reason to protect you. But here's the problem. If your diet has, if your diet's not right and your diet's loaded with things that actually stop your body's ability when you're in good standing, when you're in good moments of your life, when you're not up against contaminants in the air, when you're not up against contaminants in the workplace, when you're not up against all this stuff and you have these moments in your life where you're, 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 you're in a good place, but your body won't rid the things in your lungs that are trapped in that mucus lining I'm talking about because there's mucus trapped in every other orifice of the body and crevice of the body internally and deep within, then you're not going to be able to get rid of that sandpaper in the lungs. All that junk you breathe in that you don't know that's in there, that's in there for years and years and years, and that's in there. You can't get rid of it, and it's in trapped in the mucus lining, and it's literally rubbing back and forth as you breathe, as you live your life, as you walk, and it's and it's gently scratching the linings of the bronchial tubes, you're going to get more irritated and more inflamed. Things are going to get inflamed. That's So listen, there's different angles to cover with asthma, and we're going to cover different angles. It's not just a cut case, close, close cut case of, of you know, this is, this is one aspect. There's another aspect, neurological asthma. Doctors really don't know anything about this. Research and science know nothing about this. They don't know about the other thing, the sandpaper and the lung thing either, but they don't know about this. Neurological asthma, vagus nerve asthma, vagus nerve asthma, phrenic nerve asthma, viral conditions, underlying viral conditions, such as the Epstein-Barr, such as the Epstein-Barr. That's right. That's right. I said it. I said it again, the Epstein-Barr. People have low-grade viruses in their body they could easily get neurological asthma. Basically what that means is a tightening of the chest, unexplained symptom of a tightening in the chest. You can't kind of breathe good. You go to a pulmonologist. Pulmonologist doesn't really know what it is. Pulmonologist thinks it's, it's, it could be asthma. It might not be asthma. It's pseudo-asthma. How many people go to the pulmonologist? How many people 
and they they breathe through that tube and they do that 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 lung pressure test, a lung strength test of your breath, right? And they're told they don't have asthma, but the doctors are complex. They're scratching their head. They're dumbfounded, and they're just like scratching their head. They don't know what's going on. So they know what they say. You have anxiety, which is actually kind of close to the situation because anxiety is neurological and nerve-related too, you guys. So anxiety is nerve-related. It's neurological. So exactly. So when they're scratching their head and going, well, well, um, Sarah, I think you got... I think he got um, some anxiety. I'm going to send you to a psychiatrist or I'm going to send you back to your internist for an antidepressant. I think you have anxiety. And because your your lungs and everything we're seeing just doesn't look like you have asthma. I mean, you could have the slightest amount of asthma, which you really can't tell, but you know, and you're getting, you're getting, you're getting a tightness of the chest and that's what happens. You get symptoms like tightness of the chest. You feel you can't take a deep, you can't take a breath and you're like, what's going on? You almost hyperventilate because you're concerned. Then you get scared and your adrenals are running. And it happens usually when people are, they first get their onset of neurological asthma where it gets, it's worse at the start because they can't mind over matter it. They run to the hospital, thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of pseudo asthma cases are running to the hospitals with their first bout of pseudo asthma, which is a neurological tightening of the chest and it causes anxiety and a panic. And then their adrenals are, when you have your first bout of it, your adrenals are just flooding and pumping out of fear and chaos. And then I gotta get to the hospital. I don't know if I'm having a heart attack and that happens. And then, and then they're off to the hospital. They go through all these tests. They go through everything. They get an MRI. They get their, you know, they even do a pulmonology test. They get a chest X-ray. They get all this different thing. And the doctor's like at the hospital, the ER doc is like, well, oh, it could be coming down with the flu. Um, maybe that's it. Have you have a history of anxiety? We think this could be a panic attack. I think you just had a panic attack. Everything else checks kind of fine. Do you have a history of asthma in your life? No, you don't, ma'am. You don't, Sarah, you don't have that. Okay, well then, you know, and they kind of don't know. You kind of go home. You go home and you're just like, okay, it's a panic attack, an anxiety attack. And then once you get used to them and you see enough doctors and you're realizing this, you go to a pulmonologist and he says, no, you don't have asthma. You go to another doctor and now you're at a shrink and (laughs) the shrinks and the shrinks like, well, you know, hey, could take some anti-anxieties and you just go around and around. A lot of people with neurological asthma, they really deal with a lot of the going around and they're going around in circles. They're going around in circles and it's really hard on them. I, but it, you know, Hey, it's hard on anybody with any kind of asthma. So what, what happens with that variety of asthma? And nobody talks about this. Nobody talks about this just so you know. So if you, if you rolled your eyes at the beginning of the show, when I ho, 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 hum, talked about all that, there's no medical interest groups, blah, 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 no botch research, blah, 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 all from spirit. If you rolled your eyes, just so you know, this information doesn't exist anywhere out there. And if it does, it's because of me. But the bottom line is, just so you know, is the neurological asthma. This is what happens. You've got the vagus nerve. It runs from the brain. It goes right down through your neck. It goes right down your chest. It, go, it controls the abdomen. And it controls a lot of the lungs' functions. And then you got your phrenic nerves. They run through your neck, right down through your neck, right into your chest on each side of your chest. you got one phrenic nerve on one side of the chest, one phrenic nerve on the other side of the chest, a phrenic nerve, P-H-R-E-N-I-C. If you want to look it up, a phrenic nerve, you can find it on some diagram somewhere. And vagus nerve. Um, and so these nerves right here, 
okay, can do funny things in the chest, especially when you're viral. If you have a low-grade viral issue, especially one developing, kids in college, which are kids too, college kids, okay, college students and so forth, they've got children in college, whatever, however you want to say it, they get neurological asthma. They party, they stay up late, um, you know, they're, they're under pressure and stress for the first time, like real pressure, real stress for the first time. And at the same time, they have to perform, they have to perform in their studies, they have to perform in their peer pressure groups, and they have to click just right with the right groups. It's really difficult time. And that's usually a big time when the whole feeling of like the first anxiety attacks hit, mostly in young women versus young men. And, you know, and this can, and and usually it's a time when there's an underlying mono, mononucleosis that could be developing and, 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 or another type of viral issue just similar to that that's developing is usually a big deal. Streptococcus too, strep or strep is in the system. Strep can totally do this too because it's always with something like Epstein-Barr or mono, an early case of mono. And these early cases of mono could literally be going through high school and then lead to college and then finally kind of really show themselves in college more so than ever. Nobody knew there was even mono brewing. And so this is really common. When you have a virus, it releases a neurotoxin. The neurotoxin is released out of the liver and in and, and other places where the virus is, it floats around. And when it touches the vagus nerve and the phrenic nerves or goes up to the brain and touches the beginning of the vagus nerve and phrenic nerves, what it does, what it does is it inflames them or irritates them, tickles them, agitates them. And that's part of neurological, neurological asthma. Another level of neurological asthma, asthma isn't just viral. It's also toxic heavy metals, high heavy metals. If, 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 if a child gets a large amount of heavy metals in the child's system through some avenue, some avenue somehow, and there are avenues, there are, there are avenues for children to get heavy metals. There are avenues. Um, there's no question. It's not like, well, how did my, how would my child ever get exposed to heavy metals? That's ridiculous. Actually, very easily. It's from day one, all the way through childhood, just easily, all the way to college, easily. And, and it's these heavy metals. And when heavy metals get into the brain through a, a serious exposure of them, it can also trigger off the vagus nerve, neurological, phrenic nerve, neurological asthma, which isn't the inflamed bronchial tube variety of asthma, which isn't the inflamed bronchial tube variety. So that's, that's also a kind of another way neurological asthma occurs. And then there is emotional neurological asthma emotional without a doubt a very difficult experience a trauma emotional pressure extreme emotional pressure on the brain neurotransmitters heating up and burning out from extreme emotional pressure both adults and children from either having horrific experiences or trauma or some kind of experience that could trigger off a neurological asthma, which isn't an irritable bronchial tube asthma, but a neurological asthma, brain related asthma. So you, so you do have that option too for brain related asthmas for neurological asthmas. And it may just get diagnosed as asthma and inhalers used. And, and, and sometimes because an inhaler is a, ster- a steroid, no matter how you slice the pie, it does ease even neurological asthma because neurological asthma being viral or emotional, emotional trauma still 
affects the nerves. That's the whole point. Gets the nerves to do the neurological asthma. Gets the nerves to tighten up the chest and everything. So sometimes even a steroid bronchial inhaler can actually help with those too. A lot of times it doesn't, but a lot of times it does. So you have different varieties of asthma, different varieties. And, you know, this is just, and then there's people that are just hypersensitive with their asthma where it's a combination, a little bit of both. They have a neurological asthma and they also have bronchial tubes irrita- irritable, being irritated. So you've got a combination of both neurological, whether it's viral or emotional combined. And then you have that with like breathing in dust. Breathing in dust is a trigger. So there can be triggers too, breathing in dust, breathing in perfume, breathing in cologne, breathing in that as well. I don't know about you guys, but cologne just smells terrible. Cologne. It's, I could never put cologne on, ever. Oh, God almighty. It's like a chemical factory nightmare that, you know, that, that <laughs> these, these perfume cologne companies, they're like chemical factories. They take all these chemicals, they buy them, and they put it all together. They try to make something smell good. They don't put the secret or the ingredients totally out there because it's proprietary. It'll, it, because they got, they got um, their rivals or other cosmetic companies. So they don't want to, you know, they don't want to let their secrets out. It's competitive, a highly competitive, competitive situation. So you got these colognes. And, you know, and these colognes are just, they're, they're brutal. They're brutal for lungs. They're brutal for people with asthma. They're brutal for people who are sensitive. They're an incredible trigger for asthma. And that's just one trigger. You got air fresheners, you know, that plug in. Those are horrendous. If you have an asthma condition or your children has an asthma condition, you got plugins, pull those plugins out of the darn wall as fast as possible and throw them in the garbage. No candles either. No no scented candles, nothing like that. You can't do anything like that when you got a family with anybody with asthma. All that's got to go. And if you wear aftershave and cologne and you're the husband of the family and you got a child with asthma, that has to be thrown out. You got to throw all that away. And you're um, if you're the mommy of the family and you wear perfumes, and you're, you're using hairspray and you got a child with, with asthma, you got to throw away that hairspray. You got to, you know, you got to find another way to fix your hair and you got to um, throw away all that perfume. All that perfume's got to be thrown away. And you got to get rid of all those dryer sheets, all the dryer sheets and the, and the real harsh detergents and the laundry detergents. You got to throw all that crap away. If you got kids with asthma and you may see a difference, those are all triggers. Those are triggers galore. You don't get your carpets cleaned either. God forbid. You don't get your carpets cleaned by professional carpet cleaner places that come in with all the dangerous chemicals. And the ones that say they're green and organic, they're not. They're using dangerous chemicals mixed with better chemicals. <laughs> so you got to be very careful. You know, so the, all these things you have to be cautious on when you're dealing with kids or family members that have asthma because those are triggers, especially if you have the, the bronchial tubes are irritated and you have the mucus linings are irritated. Even with neurological asthma, you have to be careful. Neurological asthma could be triggered by cologne. It could be triggered by walking into a department store and smelling all the scents, all that scented stuff, all that potpourri, that chemical-created potpourri, all that chemical stuff. All that can easily set off both somebody's anxiety, neurological anxiety, neurological um, asthma can set off all these different things. I hope I'm giving you as much information as I can, you guys. These shows are, I know these shows are so short. And I know I repeat myself too, periodically. I repeat myself because what happens is you get a whole group of people that they don't hear it the first time because they're, they're multitasking while they're listening to the show. So I'm hoping they catch it on the second time around. 
And then you get those people that are really listening to every word and go, darn it, he repeated that. Just just bear with me, okay? (laughs) So, (laughs) all right, all right. So what else can we talk about with this whole thing? Um, All right. Okay, let's run into the diet a little bit. You need your diet mucus-free. Mucus-free. What's mucus-free? Keeping mucus out of the diet. One thing is dairy products. Milk, kefir, butter, right? So butter, milk, doesn't matter if it's skin milk, 2% milk, regular milk, cream. It can't have any of that in there. Cheese, can't have any different kinds of cheeses, can't have any of that in there. If you're vegan and plant-based, you can't even have fake cheeses. You can't have fake cheeses. Don't even, don't, if you got asthma and you're plant-based, don't even have fake cheeses. If you're doing all those fake cheese, all the fake vegan cheeses, those things are, those things are rough. Those things are rough. I'm just telling you right now. They're rough. I mean, there's some better ones out there. Well, they're yucky though. Still, I mean, I think they're yucky. I mean, maybe there's a better one. You guys might know a better one. I've tried. I've tried a couple of different ones. Maybe I didn't try them all. Maybe there's one really cool one. Somebody out there right now, you're probably saying, no, there is, there is. Anthony, there is. There's a great one. I use it all the time. Well, if you don't have asthma, no big deal. And so here's the deal. So anything kind of really mucus forming. So you got to keep the dairy products out. That's number one. You got to keep the eggs out. Eggs are by far the most asthma causing food in a sense, meaning that if you have a neurological asthma or you have a real contaminated contaminant in the lungs or you have this viral related asthma in the system and you got all this mucus in your system or whatever it is, whatever, which one you got that we try to cover in here and on this show, you got to get rid of eggs. I'm telling you now, I don't care what diet said they're good, what trendy diet said they're protein. I, I promise you. It's, it's not good. It's not good at all. Um, if you grow, I mean, if you raise chickens, (laughs) if you raise chickens, it's fine. I think it's great therapy. If you raise chickens, if you got asthma and you raise chickens, that's a tough one. Do the best you can. Cause when you go in there and all that hay and all that dust particles and all, all that stuff inside the chicken coop and cleaning out a chicken coop, put on a mask. I would wear a mask. There's a lot of different kinds of masks you put on your face and protect yourself so your lungs not getting filled up with too much dust if you're if you're highly sensitive to anything. So, um, and there is, you know, there's masks for aerosols. There's some really good masks for aerosols too. It's great. You can wear it right. It's like the you know like a flu mask and for aerosols. So if you got to deal with a place that's really loaded with a tremendous amount of of scent and air fresheners and all this kind of stuff and everything, you can always try to protect yourself with asthma so you don't get triggered. But, you know, I get it. It's really hard. Somebody with asthma doesn't like wearing any kind of mask, and that, that alone can give them anxiety and make it hard for them to breathe so they, they feel like they got to breathe harder, and that could, that could be difficult too. So I understand that. So believe me, some people it may work, some people it may not. But you got to keep the eggs out of the diet. Canola oil, you have to keep that out. I'd keep the soy out too. If, um, if you're on animal protein or eating too much animal protein, no pork, whatever you do. Nothing pork on any level. No ham, no bacon, no pork chops, um, none of that. Just keep no pulled pork, nothing pork. Okay, it's it's you know it's the other white meat. I know, and people are like, it's the other white meat. It's good, it's good. No, just don't do any pork whatsoever. That's not a good idea. Um, 
So if you do an animal products and, and, you know, just keep them minimal, keep them minimal because the high fat content of the animal product, the high fat content that's in a high protein, the fat content doesn't allow mucus to leave the body too easy. People with serious asthma, I, I always tell them, you know, do the 28 day cleanse that I have in book one, medical medium, do the 90 day cleanse and thyroid healing. So you do the 90 day cleanse. You can pick a month out of the 90-day cleanse. You can pick one of the months if it's if it's too hard. It might be pretty easy for a lot of people. You pick one month. You can do all three months. Do them long-term if you want for asthma. Really helpful. Going plant-based is critical for asthmatic people. Um, they say asthma is not curable. That's ridiculous. I've, I've, I've Hundreds and hundreds, could not even count them, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people I've recovered with asthma and still get better from asthma every day just from the medical medium books. And they put it behind them. They get off their inhalers. They're completely free from it. Stay off of grains when you're dealing with asthma. All grains, stay off of them. And if you really love grains and you want to still have them to some degree and you're dealing with asthma, then do a little bit of millet. Millet. I've been, I've been always a fan of millet for decades, decades. So you can do a little bit of millet. And um, and if you really want to, if you're on lots of beans, don't eat lots of beans with asthma, whatever you do, not lots of beans. It would be someone with asthma, it would be just maybe a, a few chickpeas here and there or a little bit of hummus, which is made out of chickpeas unless it's a black bean hummus or something or maybe lentils, but you don't do a lot of them. Um, lower the animal proteins. Can't have high animal protein diet when you're asthmatic. It's not a great idea. Like I said, the high fat content makes it so the mucus sticks around. You can never get the mucus out of the body with the high fat content. But you can still do like the avocados. You can still do the, some hemp seeds. Um, don't overdo the nuts. Don't overdo the nuts when you're dealing with asthma. So don't overdo them. Maybe a handful of walnuts or something here and there. Maybe some hemp seeds, pumpkin seeds, sunflower seeds. I would focus more on the seeds if anything, if you're going to do it. But avocado is usually the best when it comes down to asthma. You can do coconut. You can do coconut oil. Just don't overdo all the fats because where you're, where you're supposed to be going is lots of fruits, lots of different fruit and lots of vegetables you know, and potatoes. That's actually really good for asthma. Um, sweet potatoes, really good. Winter squash, all the different kinds of winter squash, delicata, um, kombucha, not kombucha tea, kombucha squash. It's a different, whole different thing. It's a whole different thing. And then you do um, you do uh, the sweet dumpling, the acorn squash, the spaghetti squash, but lots of squash is really good. Steamed vegetables are fine. If you're 100% raw and you're plant-based and that's, that's what you do, then uh, like the 28-day cleanse was mostly. So that could be, you know, you make sure it's lots of fruits and you can do some raw vegetables, lots of raw salad, spinach. But either way, just stay away from the no foods that I, I'm saying within all this. And if you're doing the animal protein, like I said, be cautious, stay away from the grains, stay away from the animal meat to a degree. Like you can keep it in there. If you're really, if you're really big on that, you can keep it in there, but lower it, lower it. And you'll see the asthma, um, recede because what happens is all that mucus will find its way out of the lungs because it'll finally push through into the lymphatic system. It'll get into the lymphatic channels because the lymphatic channels won't have linings of mucus in them. That's the problem. I would focus on a rebounder. I would go and get a rebounder. I would definitely go get a rebounder and jump up and down on the rebounder. That's what I would do.
I would do that. That's a great one for moving mucus. But remember, if your if your diet isn't good, and your diet is is keeping the mucus in the lymphatic system and keeping the mucus in the liver and keeping the mucus in the intestinal tract, if your diet is keeping the abundance of mucus, there's always a thin layer of mucus in these very areas of the body. That's not a problem. But when your diet is keeping excessive mucus and foods that create mucus and are causing mucus in there. It's still going to not really move around too easy if you're doing the rebounder. I'm jumping up and down right now just saying this. It's not going to be easy doing the rebounder. So you need to know that. You need to know that. I mean, that, that's important to know. That's important to know. So the deal is here is this. So you want that mucus to move. You want it to push through out of the lungs with all the contaminants that have been collected in there for years. You want those out of the bronchial tubes. You want those out of the lungs. And it's going to happen. And it's going to push through into the lymphatic system and then push out of the lymphatic system into the places it needs to go and then eventually eliminate and leave the body and leave you. Push out of the liver, push out of everything and just leave your body and free you up. And then you're going to be less asthmatic if never asthmatic again. I would consider the heavy metal detox. There are a whole bunch of neurological asthmatic people that have high, high levels of heavy metals. Like I said earlier, toxic heavy metals, mercury being namely one. That's, that's especially mercury. That one gets in children all the time. It always gets into children. It gets into everybody. So you got to wor- worry about that. So you got to do the heavy metal smoothie with all the different things in there. You know, and, and, you know, get the right stuff. The smoothie has spirulina, but get the right spirulina. I have it on my directory on medicalmedium.com. Get the right barley grass juice powder. Get the one I use personally. Get the ones I use. Get the right kind of dulse. You got to be careful. Get the right, you get the wild blueberries. You got to get the right things and get the cilantro in there and, and, and make that heavy metal smoothie. Get that heavy metal smoothie going. And then bam, bam. It's very important. So the Hawaiian spirulina, so you know that one there, the Vimergy barley grass. So you'll see that on the directory there. Okay. The Atlantic sea dolls, that one. Make your heavy metal smoothie. Get the heavy metals. You do a couple of years of getting toxic heavy metals out of your body, your asthma is going to minimize if you've got neurological asthma. It's going to minimize and minimize and reduce and reduce. I've been able to free hundreds and hundreds of people with different varieties of asthma to give them that free clear, get them off the inhalers and move through their life and live their life and get better and get better and better and better. I like having ginger in your system for asthma of any kind, both neurological and contaminant version of, of, um, and mucus, mucus and contaminant version of, you have to understand something. You can have a lot of excess mucus in the body and get asthma from that without the contaminants inside the lungs. You can be someone that never worked in any of the industries and just walked into a, a mall and breathe in all that potpourri and all that cologne and all that hairspray. And that's contaminants all on its own and all that air freshener. That's contaminants and that go and fungicide that they use to wash things off of and everything. That goes into the lungs. Those are contaminants. So so if you're one of those saying, well, I never did construction or I never worked in this place. I've never, I've never, you know, sharpened chainsaw blades or I never, I was never a, you know, a janitor and, and pushed a broom and kicked up dust 24 seven for year after year after year, decade after decade. Sure. If you're not one of those situations with asthma, you might be still getting contaminants from regular sources every day with mucus built up from a diet that's so mucus forming 
congesting everything, your liver, everything, your lymphatic system, and then the mucus can't move out and move out those contaminants that you are exposed to. So you always got to remember that. So I always like B12, B12, the right kind of B12, the one that I, I talk about all the time. That's the one to use. That right there, that's for, um, that's for neurological asthma, and you could use it for any kind of asthma. That's a great one. Vitamin C. Vitamin C. You can't go wrong with vitamin C. It's incredible for asthma. Vitamin C. MSM. M as in Mary, S as in Sam, M as in Mary. That one I like too. That one works good. That can help asthma cases. Just a little bit of MSM. Okay, NAC, N-acetylcysteine. I've seen that help asthmatic cases. So, meaning these are just little aids. They can help a little bit. They can help. The vitamin C, the B12, very important for neurological asthma. A little bit of zinc, that's important too um, for neurological asthma. That's neurological asthma. That's pretty good too. Um, All that helps. I do like the nettle leaf. And I do like the lemon balm. I like both of those because guess what? They are miracles and they do so much for people. So I like those too. I don't like loading people up with a zillion supplements. I like to make sure their foods really get cleaned up and they make a concerted effort to truly, truly, truly clean up their diet and clean up their foods before going into a whole boatload of, of supplements, truckloads of supplements for their asthma. I'd rather, I'd rather make sure their diets get so good that that mucus and whatever contaminants or the mucus or the neurological problem cleanup. But for neurological asthma, you're dealing with viruses, bacteria, and toxic heavy metals. That's why I like the, I like the heavy metal detox smoothie, the MM, medical medium, heavy metal detox smoothie. Get rid of the metals. That can get rid of a lot of cases of asthma. I'm not talking to you one-on-one, so I can't say, oh, spirit knows this is a Toxic heavy metal asthma, neurological. Oh, no, spirit knows this is a viral asthma. Spirit knows this is a contaminant asthma. Spirit knows this is just really a mucus-based asthma with irritants. But what you can do is you can start by doing the heavy metal detox smoothie no matter what. Get vitamin C and B12 in you. Get a little lemon balm and, and nettle leaf every single day in you. Other supplements that you do like that you're already taking, keep on taking them if you love them and you like them. That's all great. If, um, if it's anything in the medical meeting protocols and the books and you're still taking supplements for those, absolutely, they can help. Whatever, whatever you're doing, you're doing. But then work on the foods. Work on the foods for sure and get that really, really in, you know, locked down. Celery juice is incredible for asthma. Still drinking that celery juice. You better believe it. Celery juice, celery juice. Somebody said to me, that's all you got is celery juice. I go, you want me to throw away what works? You want me to get rid of the very thing that actually works? So basically, instead of using gasoline for your car, which actually works, you want to stick milk in your gas tank? You want to throw away the gasoline now? You want to throw away the power for your electric car and just not use power anymore? And even though that's the that's the answer for how your car works, you want to throw away the celery juice because it's the answer how to get mucus out of your body and get your liver working and get your lymphatic system cleaned out? You want to throw away celery juice? The very thing Spirit brought to the world's attention in the last 20 years that I spent spent my life trying to get people to drink? Because it's not my belief system. It's word and truth from spirit to heal. I love you guys. Take one day at a time. I believe in you. I care about you. I do really care. You need to know that. And uh, I'm dedicated to you. I'm in it with you. If you're in it with me. All right. Take care. God bless you.